Once upon a time, in a faraway land, I woke up and realized I am going to be a dentist. <laughs> Said like no one ever. These are the real stories, not fairy tales. As we go behind the smiles, this is a podcast where we interview and chat with some of the biggest leaders in dentistry, learn their stories, and share their motivation with your host, Dr. Gina Dorfman. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Smiles. I'm really excited today because I'm here with Dr. Aaron Elliott. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you for spending time with us today. I know you don't have a lot of time, free time anyway, right? So um, a little bit about Aaron. Dr. Aaron Elliott was born and raised in Southern California. She went to a small Christian college in Western New York, where she played soccer. She graduated dental school at the top of her class from Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. She's a general dentist at Post Falls Family Dentistry in Idaho, and she has special interest in screening and treating snoring and sleep apnea. She's a member of American Academy of Sleep Medicine, American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine, and a diplomat and a past president of the American Sleep and Breathing Academy. Did I get that right? You sure did. <laughs> she authored multiple articles in national dental journals and lectures extensively helping dentists incorporate dental sleep medicine in their practices. Wow. (laughs) Really stoked to interview you today, partly because I am excited about incorporating sleep apnea treatment into my practice, partly because maybe I have a little bit of a crush on you. I don't know, but... (laughs) But seriously, jokes aside, you are beautiful, stylish, smart, funny, you're full of energy, you are passionate, you're enthusiastic, you're hardworking, you're a little nerdy, very articulate, and just completely fabulous. So how do you keep it all together? You're so busy. Oh, well, I can attribute that probably to two things. Um, It's funny that you said stylish because... That is probably what causes me the most stress in my life. Like I could extract an entire uh, mouth of teeth and suture it all together, but I cannot sew a button or put together an outfit. I actually had someone come to my house and teach me how to accessorize. That's That's a great idea. Yeah. I I tell my husband, I was like, you know, it's really amazing that I'm like, that God made me a girl because I hate being one. But I said, I, I try to put myself together every day. And he's like, well, you do a pretty good job, but I do attribute being able to do so much, um, just with a few things. Uh, I have this stupid internal drive where I just wish I could relax, you know, a little, but I like what I love dentistry. I love our job. I love, um, helping others and, and getting other people excited about dentistry. But I also have a husband who pretty much manages the home so that I don't have to manage that part of it. It's like I'm in charge of so much. So pretty much with, you know, I I talk to other of the other soccer moms and they're like, oh, what do you think uh, or all the politics of Jameson's soccer team? Right. And I was like, oh, I had no idea. I was like, I just show up where I'm told to. So I can pick them up from practice or whatever. Um, and then I would say that at my practice, um, that having a business partner like the one I do, 
and uh, in the last year, cutting down to three days a week and having the, the team, you know, being able to delegate so much and know that it's getting done is ultimately what has allowed me to, to free my time up to be on the road. Because, you know, a lot of this uh, just came up in the last couple of years. Like I haven't been doing this since the beginning. So um, that's, that's probably how. And the advent of smartphones helps me keep in touch with people. Uh, how did you how did you get into dentistry um kind of a long story but the short story is my dad was one um but you know growing I've always been drawn to the math and science but mostly like human biology like our our bodies are pretty dang cool like I medicine just fascinates me in fact on my days off I go and watch um orthopedic surgery not not dental surgeries. I go and watch like knee replacements. Um, and <laughs> going up, yeah, I know. Um, I always wanted to get into like, like emergency room kind of stuff. Like I love uh, fast pace having to make, I, I'm very decisive, decisive and having to make decisions like on the fly that really drew me. But then when I got to college and met my um, boyfriend and future husband, I was like, Oh crap, I, I have to be a wife and a mom too. It was always about, you know, when I grew up, it was about what you were going to be and not who you were going to be. And with my dad being a dentist, uh, I think I really uh, began being drawn to that. And I like the idea of being self-employed and the freedom. I think I saw as many write-offs as that he took and, (laughs) um, all of the (laughs) vacations we had around CE in quotation marks. So I think that, uh, (laughs) that really was ultimately the balance I was looking for. And I, the thing I love about dentistry too, is you're not pigeonholed. You can do as much or as little as you want. And that's the beauty of our uh, career that we've been given. You know what? hundred percent agreed. And I remember going to dental school for exact same reason, because I, I wanted to have that, you know, life work balance. Do you have life work balance? Do you believe it exists? (laughs) No, I don't. Um, And it's funny that it's such a buzzword. Um, The way that I like to look at it more is work-life harmony because you'll never be in balance. There's going to be times where your office is going to need you more. And then there's times that your family is going to need you more. There's times that I'm going to be on the road a little bit more. So what I try to do is just take advantage of every minute I'm given. And I would say that when my, when I'm home, I'm home focused on my kids, focused on my husband. Um, but I'm not making dinner, you know, like my husband does that (laughs) and I love to cook. It's just, that is kind of the agree. It's just kind of worked out that way. Um, when I'm at the office, I'm focused on my patients and my team. And so, yeah, there, I would say my team would probably say that I have been probably, I don't know if distracted is the right word, but kind of pulled in a lot of different directions when when I am at the office. Cause in between, I maybe went and used to like, you know, chat about the weekend. Instead I'm returning emails now, but, (laughs) um, but I still like, I want to focus on my patient and that's ultimately why we're here. And, you know, that's why that's another reason why I love to teach and I hate public speaking, but I love to teach because I've made a lot of mistakes and I can fast forward some of those. Um, teaching with T-Bone or Tarun Agarwal has really taught me to kind of um, 
identify hurdles and try to overcome them and eliminate them in the fastest way possible and really boil it down to the basics. And to ultimately what that does is helps other dentists help their patients, right? With this, um, with this life altering uh, disease. How did you get into sleep apnea? Uh, you know, I think it's funny because if anyone is, uh, any of these listeners are Facebook friends with me, what they'll notice is that I really like to sleep. Uh, I think I was <laughs> born an old lady and my mom said she never had to put me down for a nap because I'd put myself down for a nap. I never had a bedtime <laughs> because I gave myself a bedtime. I just love to sleep. Um, and the, the reference to Facebook is that my husband posts pictures of me sleeping like everywhere. Um, I don't have sleep apnea, but in 2008, I was at um, the Idaho State Dental Meeting, and they had a sleep physician speak in the morning session, and a um, dentist sleep in the afternoon, or sleep, speak in the afternoon session, and I, as soon as I found out that dentists could be a part of a patient's uh, journey for a better night's sleep, I was like, I am all in. So I set out to find a course. Um, Kent Smith is my mentor who I started with and it's been a journey for the last, uh, 10 years. It's, and it, and it is a huge part of my practice. Um, but I do do more than sleep. I still am a general dentist. Uh, I still do fillings. I started on my implant journey. Um, I, uh, I am not just one dimensional. How does a dentist begin to integrate dental sleep therapies into his or her practice? You know, I think dentists always have that habit of being dentists. Um, <laughs> and they cut right to the, what appliance do you use? And you know, <laughs> one thing is, is that the treatment part is actually one of the easiest parts. Um, but what they forget about is getting the patient to say yes, um, creating awareness in your practice. So we kind of teach a four-step workflow. and. Um, you know, implementing it is not easy, but I think what you need to do is start with creating awareness with your patients and your team uh, so that patients can understand why dentists even care about sleep, uh, why team members should get involved. And it's it's really easy um, with any CE you take, the dentist comes back excited and you just kind of, the team just avoids eye contact till Wednesday until, you know, they forget about it. But this is one service that I think, you know, I really talk a lot about finding your why and, and finding that person that you can help and change their life. And when you come across a hurdle, you won't, um, you won't want to give up. And so implementation, it's, it's not that it's hard. It's just different than dentistry uh, because we, like I say, you have to put your handpiece down and put your stethoscope on and, and think not like a dentist, but more like a medical physician. And it's kind of outside of our norm. It's not, you know, cutting on enamel rods. So um, implementation, I think, is necessary for dentists. At least if you're not going to treat it and you don't want to deal with medical insurance and all that, then you should at least be talking to your patients about it. So I don't know what holds back dentists the most, um, but if this blonde chick in Post Falls, Idaho can do it, I think anyone can. <laughs> well, you know, I find that dentists are not very good implementers. You know, they they come back excited from a course. And, and you know, I, 
always, you know, when I speak and, and I feel like I'm connecting with the audience and they come up to me and they ask me questions. And I'm always hoping that you're going to take something from my course and then go back and, and, and implement you know, take one thing, but with your course, it's a whole program. It's not even just changing what you do. It's kind of changing conversations. Mm-hmm. With your patient, right? yep. How do we start talking? That's, I think that's the hard part to implement, the, the starting to talk, starting to ask questions, find the time to talk. Yeah. So how do we do well, that? And I, that's what I, I really do try to give a lot of per, pearls along the way. Um, in verbal communication, because I think that's where we get caught up sometimes in over-educating our patients without ever asking our patients what they value. And so when, when I talk about finding the patient's chief complaint, um, you know, it's not just about snoring, but if it's getting your team to talk to them, because they're the ones that have the time. The hygienists have how long with them, and they're staring at their airway the whole time they can start a conversation so that when I come in for my three minute exam, I can talk about their family, the last vacation they had their dental needs, and then give my stamp of approval that yes, we should get them in for a sleep consult, but they may not be motivated by um, health reasons. They may be motivated by their, you know, wanting to get their wife to stop nagging them. They may be motivated it's not just by money all the time. We always think it is, but it could be that they're scared of uh, admitting they have a problem and not wanting to get a mask. So when we talk to patients, I try to find out what motivates them. Are they moving away type people? Like they don't want to be in pain or are they moving towards people? Meaning they, they want to be healthy. Um, Are they big picture? Are they detailed? How much information do I need to give them? Are they uh, visual or are they auditory? So I really try to identify who my patient is, how I can communicate them with them best, and not just what works for me. Um, And then at that time, uh, the biggest, the three biggest hurdles that I think patients have or obstacles are one, money. Um, So we bill medical, not dental, but your medical insurance will help you. Um, Second is not wanting to go spend the night somewhere so we can overcome that with a home sleep test if they qualify. And then third, they, they always think that they need to have a mask or a CPAP. And so my dad even said that he was one of my first patients. He's like, you know, I, I knew I had a problem, but I would rather live in ignorance than know I had a problem I was doing nothing about because I wasn't going to wear a mask. And so as soon as he found out there was an alternative, all of a sudden he was like, okay, do what you need to do. Let's get this done. And we've been able to move patients into that, that treatment pathway um, just by eliminating difficulties in getting there. I remember you telling a story about your dad, how the treatment has actually changed his life. Mm-hmm. And, and would you mind sharing it? Yeah. I mean, that is truly my why. And, you know, he, he ultimately passed away from cancer. Um, it was kind of a 12 year battle, but, uh, we, my dad snored. That's, that's what we knew, like snored on his stomach, snored on his side, snored in any position. And, you know, as soon as I found out that's not normal, I mean, I can't, 
it just, I kick myself because we should have known this, you know, 30 years ago, but his snoring was actually moderate to severe obstructive sleep apnea. And we just thought it was something we had to deal with. And as soon as he was quiet, you know, my mom was like, thought he was dead uh, <laughs> because he was quiet for the first time. She had to check to make sure he still had a pulse. And it changed uh, her life too. And <laughs> she, yes, ultimately she struggled with insomnia and, you know, they never got to the point where they were in separate rooms, but she would wake up all hours of the night and now she was sleeping the night through. And what my dad said is that he didn't know um, that he was tired. He didn't know how tired he was until he wasn't tired anymore because it was such a slow progression because it was such a part of his life. He chalked it up to getting older, to being busy, to having kids, to having a, you know, uh, being a dentist. And he, he kind of got that new pep in his step. And, you know, so my mom and him traveled the world and he didn't have to lug a machine uh, along with him and ultimately felt, felt as good as he could feel um, as he was going through his cancer battle. I love that. I love that story. Um, So let me ask you a question. How do we identify candidates? How do we know whom to start conversations with? And I don't want to, I don't want you to give away your course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just a little taste. (laughs) You know, you know, Gina, I have to say just how I was blown away with just kind of your, um, stamp of approval and recommend recommendation that you gave online about our course. Um, one thing is that there's a lot of people that have been to a lot of courses that were kind of, you know, high level, very cerebral, very scientific. And I think that we're a good place for kind of getting that practical implementation to actually get it in your practice in saying that we break, break it down to some pretty simple steps as simple as possible. And, some of the easiest ones and it's easy for team because this is something we're already doing. I mean, how easy is it that hygienists and assistants talk to our patients about bruxing? We identify bruxing, we can see the wear um, and we talk about getting a night guard. So, but, but what we found is that 80% of bruxing is associated with sleep disordered breathing. So making that leap, um, we should be doing intraoral pictures. If you have cone beam, um, are you putting the cone beam up on the um, screen and showing them their airway? Uh, often th- before, dentists or patients would look at me like I had two heads. Like, why are you talking to me about sleep? Like, this has nothing to do with my teeth. Um, it helps make that connection for patients. Um, utilizing the tools that we have, meaning uh, pictures and um, radiographs, but also identifying dental signs and symptoms and the easiest ones to look for are bruxing, acid erosion, and scallop tongue. Scallop tongue just means these little indentations on the side of your tongue. It, it is actually 70% predictive of an, of an AHI over five, which means um, mild sleep apnea or more. And then the health history is at our fingertips. Are we asking our patients about even over-the-counter medications, um, meaning acid reflux medications? How about melatonin? Are your, are your patients telling you about some of the herbal supplements they're taking? Uh, are they taking sleeping pills, um, antidepressants, 
in hypertension medications. Those are kind of the easiest ones to look for as kind of red flags of, I should talk to these, this patient about how they sleep. Do they wake up refreshed? Do they snore or have they been told that they snore? Uh, it's not always snoring. Uh, I talk to especially my female, middle-aged female patients about insomnia and we're connecting. That's my big like soapbox right now is connecting um, insomnia with sleep disordered breathing and offering a solution that no physician ever had before for these, for these women and men. I don't even, so I've kind of gotten away from even using the term sleep apnea because it puts up walls immediately because sleep apnea, if you were to close your eyes and imagine someone with sleep apnea, you think of like an old fat man. And, you know, I identify this in young females even sometimes. And, and so I just said, you know what, I don't think you're getting the sleep that your body deserves. So um, I can talk to them about more from that angle. We talk about going, you know, creating awareness, but, you know, when a patient sees the numbers, it, and you, and you can translate it into patient ease, you know, um, and connect with them on their level, it turns to urgency. And then they see the value like that to me is like the magic of, of what we do. And, And because I think we do, we have a great relationship with our patients, a great connection. They trust us. And when you translate that to them, all of a sudden this, you know, a lot of my patients come to me, they're already, you know, diagnosed and they always say, you know, no one's ever explained it to me. I came in here because I, I was told to, but now I need, I know I need to do this for my health. Um, like, I can't believe I, they told me it was just mild, but I stopped breathing 90 times. Like that's not mild. That's not normal. And so that's, that is my favorite part is connecting the dots and and really, you can literally see my, their eyes open wider, you know, and, and get it. What really blew me away is, is when we took the test in the class, how many people were affected. And what I understand is one out of five of our patients have sleep apnea. You know, that's what they say. Um, one in four men, one in 10 women. But, you know, the longer that we've done these courses and we send at least like 15 tests home in, in, I would say that our demographic are, you know, educated, health conscious people. And we are seeing numbers like 40, 50% have some, you know, mild or more. Um, And we're even testing people who don't think they have it. Right. We were, we had out of 15, at least seven of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Back with some, some kind of sleep apnea, including people that you would never, uh, there was a young lady in the class. You would never suspect her. Yeah. Yeah. That That one was interesting. Yes. So um, when I came back to my practice uh, after your course, I started to notice, I, I mean, I, I, all of a sudden I'm seeing these kids, you know, with patients, actually, when we came back on Monday, I walked in and, you know, I, the first question, because usually I ask how, the, how does she brush? How does she eat? You know? And the first question I had to ask was, how does she sleep? And she said, well, she doesn't sleep very well. She, and I said, she's t- tossing and turning. And I said, does she sleep with her mouth open? Yes. 
Does she snore all the time? Does she grind her teeth? And this is a four-year-old girl. And Good it's for you. Scary. And it's and she, one of my first patients that morning, yeah. Yeah. Which, is, which is incredible. So I've scheduled several consultations and I've been, I'm kind of a sea junkie. I've been to a lot of courses. And the reason why I like yours so much is because I felt comfortable talking to patients about this stuff. Like you gave me the tools and, and, and I'm really excited, you know, about actually implementing. That makes me so happy. Yeah, that makes it worth, you know, leaving my family for the weekend to to go spread the word. <laughs> and you've been on the road a lot. Speaking of being on the road, <laughs> you and Stephen on a bus. How did that happen? Yes. Come up with that crazy? Well, of course, it's team. It must have been um, you know, what's so funny is you talk about how you come up with all these crazy ideas, and I and I almost feel like I'm there to help T Bone like implement some of them. Um, and he, he's, he makes things happen. So we had so much fun and I was one of 11 people. And of course the only female and the token estrogen on the, although (laughs) I'm like, I think I have more testosterone than some of these guys. Um, but we we traveled from Raleigh to Orlando to the dense by Serona world and stopped and visited, dentist along the way and a dental school and, you know, making dentistry fun again. It was like a, it wasn't just a bus. It was like a rock star bus, like bunks and it was legit and a lot of fun. (laughs) It looked great. Actually watching videos from the road was kind of like watching comedians in cars. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. That's a good show. That's funny. (laughs) And you just, you just went to Mexico um, on vacation. And uh, so tell me about your vacation. Oh, so, you know, I think the best way to get me to unwind is to take me to a foreign country. And (laughs) um, I, for the first time, did one of those vacation receipt emails. You know, if someone sends me an email, it shoots back that I'm not going to be getting back to you right away. And (laughs) um, vitamin D does a lot for the soul. But I, at an all-inclusive too, I'm not, I would not say I'm cheap, but we work too damn hard for our money to just spend a whole bunch like at a resort. So the all-inclusive was nice. My, my kids were like, I'm going to get another pina colada virgin, of course. I'm like, go for it, whatever you want. You know, in the past, I'm like, no, you can't get that soda. It's $2 or $4. yeah, we had a lot of fun and I got to read books and just unwind. Well, good, good. What did you read? Oh, um, I read actually a book called Fearless about a Navy SEAL um, a biography and just a couple simple, fun, like murder mystery type stuff. So nothing kind of brainless. <laughs> well, good, good. Sounds like a nice vacation because after that you went straight to work, right? At a Greater New York meeting. I did. So this is how bad I am, Gina. Oh my gosh. So I get to New York City Saturday night. I could have like, I got there in time to like go to a Broadway show or do whatever. But I went to dinner with some dense fly people, and then Sunday I had the whole day. I didn't speak till Monday afternoon. I had the whole day. And I went to the dental convention and hung out at the booth and went to, went to courses. I got to meet Jill Umbrella, who, who lectures for um, Healthy Start. 
which is a awesome pediatric airway program. So I, I'm that much of a nerd, but it was really fun meeting people that I had never met in person that I know, like from online, like when we got to meet, you know, yeah. so I, I just love that. I love our dental community and, and connecting with people. I, you know, when I go to meetings, I always try to get a day or like a little extra time so that I can actually visit the city and see what, you know, yeah. what life is like outside of dental conventions. But um, one of my favorite things about actually going to conventions is meeting people that I know online. Mm-hmm. And it's always, always so surreal because you know so much about them, right? Like yeah. when you listen to my podcast and you said, I, I think I know you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then you make, and all of a sudden, like you meet them in person and all of a sudden it's that great connection. You feel like you've known them your yeah. entire life. What's coming up for you? Where are you going to be going next? Um, we are doing, you know, there was such a call for it where we do kind of the implementation course and people go back to their practice. They start implementing and they kind of want to um, know what's next. And so we created that, uh, we're calling it next level, um, advanced, I guess, but I like the, the description of taking your sleep program that you've already started to that next level. And so it's kind of focused on the doctor in the sleep champion. That's a huge thing for us is to get a sleep champion, someone that owns that program in your practice, assistant, hygienist, whoever, And so we're doing that course in the middle of January. And then the very next weekend is Voices of Dentistry. And then the very next weekend is our uh, sleep apnea implementation course in Scottsdale. So I'm going to see Devon three weekends in a row and be in Scottsdale two weeks in a row. And then um, then I'm kind of, I'm good for a little while. Yeah, just kind of some things here and there. It's, It's interesting. I had some scouts come in at the greater New York meeting and they, I saw them come in with their little jackets and Oh my gosh, they came in right when I was showing my prank war with my husband and I was sleeping and I, I didn't know how polished and like proper I needed to be at a, at a big meeting. And I decided, I was like, well, I'm going to show them a little bit of who I am. And so when the scouts came in right at that part, I was like, oh, gosh. But anyways, I, I got asked to do a couple um, other meetings, so I'll kind of fill in some of um, my time with that. I, I try to limit it to twice a month. That's a good balance. Oh, yeah. Harmony. Especially if they're close. Yes. If they're close, I can get home, you know, that yes. kind of get, fly in and fly out. So, um, I wanted to ask you, about that video you recorded, the Queen of Good Air. That was how did you come up with it? <laughs> I don't know. It just popped into my head. I am a total child of the nineties and <laughs> love Will Smith. Absolutely love him. And of course watched Fresh Prince of Bel Air. So um I was like Bel Air. So anyways I came up with Fresh Queen of Good Good Air. And got some help with the lyrics from a friend. But I was like, I got to make this happen. I I don't know. I get weird inspirations. I was working on a patient. And I just started giggling to myself and out loud, actually. And my assistant looked at me and she immediately rolled her eyes because she knew something was up. And 
that's what I was cooking up. <laughs> they they usually know when you're up to something. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, what are your pet peeves besides oh. snoring? Oh my goodness! Like in life or in, in life. Um, when my assistants have to get up out of their chair to go get something during a procedure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> patients who don't open. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> ice or I'm very auditory. So like my husband smacking his gum and chewing ice drives me bonkers. <laughs> when people call it spears instead of spear. <laughs> and... Old uh, people who there's bring their service dog into my restaurants, but <laughs> mostly the thing that irks me the most is when people line up for the airplane and they're in the very last zone and they block you from getting <laughs> on. You know, that bothers me so much because I'm thinking everyone is going to get on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> What's the hurry? So I just because I'm not a snob like at all. My whole practice is pretty blue collar. I, I would not call myself a fancy person, but I kind of like I push him out of the way. I'm like, sorry, Sky, you know, priority <laughs> coming through first class. <laughs> You know, you did something I heard somewhere. I don't know where I know this from, but uh, you gave up your first class seat for your dental assistant. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> that's that's pretty awesome. Oh, my gosh. What a reminder of what coach is like, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I got to get her better seats. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So um, who are your mentors? Um, definitely T-Bone for sure. Like he has dramatically, I would say changed my life. Um, and then Kent Smith continues to, you know, keep me, it's an ever evolving, um, world with sleep and, and Steve Karstensen, who, um, I absolutely adore and respect with, so much. Um, he is the editor of a magazine called Dental Sleep Practice and um, really just wants to help pe- help dentists and, and help patients. I, you know, really, that's my, those are the people that inspire me are the ones that kind of set ego aside and care more about that than, than themselves. Um, if you had to reinvent yourself, what would you do? What would you do differently? I don't know if reinvent, I kind of, you know, I'm 41 now. And I would say that my, my 40th year was my favorite year so far. So I don't really want to necessarily reinvent myself. And I love that I do get to be myself when I am like lecturing and stuff. But what I would probably do is wish I could go back to my younger self. Um, I was an associate for eight years. I wish I would have either had enough um, grit and, um, I guess, confidence to go out on my own. Although I love my partner and where we're at now. So I'm glad I, I stuck with it, but I wish I could have bought in sooner or had the guts to do that. The I'm kind of risk adverse, but I'm getting better. So I wish I could have told my younger self to just do it. And I also wish that I had invested in my CE earlier. I should be further along in my, um, 
dental career and I was too afraid to spend the money and also leave my kids. And you know what? My kids would have been fine if I missed them for a weekend here or there uh, when they were younger. Um, but I didn't really, I didn't really know the value in that. And um, I didn't have a dental mentor uh, per se. So I wish I had um, really, you know, we didn't have podcasts and Facebook forums and I, I didn't, I didn't know where to look for a mentor. And so I, that, I think those would probably be the, the three things that I would tell myself. Well, you came out just fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, unfortunately we are out of time. Um, I, we, I had such a blast talking to you Yeah, and I can't wait to see you in, uh, uh, in January at the VOD. Yes. And, uh, uh, I just thank you. Thank you for coming uh, to this, you know, to the show. Thank you for answering all of my questions. Thank you for your course. I, I, I really cannot say enough good things about um, you and T-Bone and the course in, in Rally. And I absolutely encourage everyone in dentistry to take your course. Oh, thank you. And I have to say, this is video and I love seeing the beautiful office and all the activity in the background. (laughs) I'm, I'm pretty darn proud of you too.